0: It's History is Sexy time! Hurrah! What is History is Sexy? We talk about history and answer people's questions about history and show them how it's sexy.
1: I think that is the most efficiently we've ever done that.
0: That's so impressive.
1: <laughs> we've said our
0: names, us. we've said what we are, we've said what we do.
1: We haven't said what we are, really.
0: We're a podcast that talks about how history is sexy.
1: Yeah, but you are a historian and I am a writer. And
0: Oh yeah, that's that bit too.
1: Hi, that is
0: hi that's us <laughs> <laughs> look at this we're getting so good
1: You're getting so good so one of these
0: one day I'm gonna do us a little like write us a little intro I feel like all other podcasts yeah like have a proper do, intro
1: and a proper outro
0: yeah and like they do yeah. a, I feel like their process for being like let's do a podcast must be what should it be about what should we call it let's write the intro yeah
1: maybe. and we've gone
0: Let's do a podcast. What should well, we call it? Let's do 22 episodes. Let's think about doing an
1: intro. <laughs> Although, to be fair, a lot of the podcasts I listen to like that. I started listening to years after they started. So for all I know, they their slick intros and outros were developed slowly over their first year or two of, of podcasting. Maybe. And I've just never listened to those episodes.
0: Maybe. Let's mm. tell ourselves that to make ourselves I feel I think better. we should. Yeah. So this week, we are answering a question which I feel like a lot of people are going to be instantly squicked out about, which kind of makes me happy. Yeah. And it'll be, I like to see, w- like, which episodes people listen to on the stats. So mm-hmm. I'll be interested to see with this one. But
1: I the do question. think if, if you are squicked out by, by this, when we announce the topic, it's very important that you listen.
0: <laughs> like yeah.
1: Keep, keep listening.
0: because I think that it's important to interrogate why it squicks you out. Exactly,
1: because like, there's cause, no reason to be squicked out.
0: Yeah, because of it, like, you know, I grew up in modern Western culture and it squicks, and I am a woman and it squicks me out. <laughs> but the question is from Sophie Patterson I want to know about the history of periods. Were they always considered gross? Did people just use rags or were there more ingenious solutions? Which is three questions, but we'll let her off. <laughs> So this week we're going to talk about the history of menstruation and different cultural ideas of menstruating and how it's changed through time. And, yeah, first off, like, yeah, being a modern Western person who menstruates, I have grown up in a culture where you don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. You try not to think about it as much as you humanly can. Mm -hmm. You do everything in your power when you are... Having a period to pretend that it isn't happening, <laughs> and where all advertising and cultural conversations about it are either "oh my god, this is so gross," aka as in like super bad, for example, mm-hmm. which is a, a film that I've watched again recently and was like, "Wow, these people—it's like they've never met a woman, yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like they've never heard of blood, like they've never actually like they never had any sex education about what periods are at all, like or how it works, yeah, and." All advertising about it is basically like do you want to pretend that you're not having a period and not think about it at all? Yeah. Then this is the product for you.
1: And also we're going to pretend that periods aren't real by using this handy blue liquid instead of yeah, something that looks gonna, anything like what periods actually look like.
0: It's a clean, sanitized thing that is medical and, and over there and it's yeah. like you don't and you can wear your, as many white trousers as you like and jump in the air.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. So like because of that and because any there is no cultural discussion around it that isn't like this is disgusting let's get it ever done with or like just get on the pill or get on the implant now or it just don't have them you just I don't mean, have to have them an anymore an implant doesn't like,
1: necessarily stop them sometimes it just makes them come all the time it or does just
0: yes on a, very I know a couple of residual. people yeah yeah, I know a couple of people who had the implant and they were like, "Well, I just bled constantly for three months and that didn't seem good." <laughs>
1: yeah, no, I mean it works as a contraceptive because you don't really want to have sex so much. Well, no. not not everyone does. Some people are fine with it, but you don't necessarily want to have sex when you were just constantly
0: bleeding. bleeding. Yeah, but like the one of the selling points of these kind of things is is quite often you can yeah. either control when you have your period or you or stop it don't have, or you can stop it entirely. You can have like.
1: Which is fine, by the way. Like there is also, I think, a stigma around stopping it entirely. But there's no evidence that there's anything harmful about. No, doing it's that. not if you
0: harmful. Want to, about... just,
1: you know, just rock it your way. If you want to do that, do that. But you don't yeah, need to but be. But be
0: aware that it exists in a cultural conversation. That it is disgusting and bad.
1: Yes. Yes. If you want to, if you want to stop it because it's a bit of a pain in the ass, which no one's going to argue with. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Uh, no, no
0: one's going to argue with it. Like it's like not something that's super fun but this has not always been the way yeah and this has not always been the the way that periods have been handled and is not the way that they are handled in a lot of societies a very specific cultural moment around periods is the idea that they are unclean in a germy way like rather than unclean in a spiritual way and it's like related to the 20th 21st century, coming from the 19th century, like obsession with cleanliness after they discovered germs,
1: mm-hmm.
0: after insisting that germs were a ludicrous idea that only a lunatic could believe in for a very long time. Yeah. Then they discovered germs and they were like, it- oh God, we care about <laughs> that a lot now. <laughs> uh, Which
1: is weird. They are revolting. But there's, they a, are. there are like, it goes to the extent of trying to scientifically prove why a woman on her period ruins food. <laughs> uh, there was a scientist in 1919 who claimed that he could back up with his science. Is this the guy with the flowers? He, this is a guy who talked about a menotoxin. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, is yeah, yeah. Emitted yeah. when you're,
1: um, when you're on your period. Schick. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and that it will cause women to turn wine into vinegar and to um, make, if they try to pickle food while they're on their periods, the food will rot. Well, there are a lot of myths about women ruining food while they're on their periods, and this dude tried to prove why that happens. But you yeah, know, he so, failed because it doesn't happen.
0: So he did an experiment where he got a menstruating nurse to take some flat like, cuts and flowers and then put them in water, and then mm-hmm. he cut some flowers and put them in water, and then he measured how long it took before they wilted, and he determined that the menstruating nurse that the flowers wilted faster if they were put there by a menstruating nurse. And therefore, you know, I think an experiment that the term correlation is not causation was invented for. (laughs) I'm very sorry, but
1: that is just not rigorous science.
0: No, he decided that, um, yeah, that they must be sweating out chemicals that were killing plants. And therefore when, oh, well, if they're killing plants, then they must be doing (laughs) it. And the, the bit where I found that said in the years following, this field of research suffered from a reproducibility crisis.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's going to be the problem if you base your findings on two samples.
0: Yeah, um, just me and the nurse who yeah. I badgered until she told me when she was on her period. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was pretty great. I quite enjoy that idea because, like, basically, this idea that menstrual blood is magical is very ancient and is kind of everywhere, but the idea that it is poisonous in some way comes from pliny everybody's favorite encyclopedist
1: this a lot i mean pliny pliny the elder is is on his way to becoming the unofficial mascot of our <laughs> podcast i think but I, it's
0: true it's because no matter what it is there is something in pliny and it's the <laughs> maddest thing you ever heard
1: i think this is my favorite so far
0: it is extremely good go on you, you can read it
1: so Pliny, I, I, well, if you've got the exact quote, I just wrote a list of all of his claims because they're so buck wild.
0: Yes. Okay, so he thought that contact with menstrual blood will turn new wine sour, crops touched by it will become barren, grafts will die, seeds in the garden dry up. The fruit of the trees falls off. The edges of steel and the gleam of ivory are dulled by contact with menstrual blood. Hives of bees will die. Even bronze and iron are at once rusted and a horrible (laughs) smell fills the air. To taste menstrual blood drives dogs mad and infects their blights with an incurable poison. So that is, he thought that literally... Some people have interpreted that to be uh, like being around a menstruating woman will seize iron with rust, which is obviously not what he says there well, yeah. at all. But basically, he's like, yeah, if you touch menstrual blood, that specific thing, against any of these things, then they will just immediately die. Yeah, everything from seeds to ivory. He
1: also <laughs> claimed that you could um, you could the did you could cause the dead sea to move uh, by using mm-hmm. a thread soaked in. And I quote, poisonous, the poisonous fluid of menstrual blood. Excellent. Um, and that if a woman washed linen while she was on her period, it would turn black. Yeah.
0: Cool, cool, cool. He was not a man who was well acquainted with women. No. And I do not
1: think, like, this doctor from 1919, at least he did a little bit of science. I don't think Pliny did any.
0: And Pliny didn't do it Pliny just wrote down stuff that he knew well, Did not do experiments They didn't no. believe in such things That would be a waste of everyone's time But basically that is effectively where the idea comes from If you want to go even older Then you can go back to the extremely misogynistic Greeks And like ancient Greek, classical Greek society Was so ludicrously misogynist that it, it feels like a joke almost but they would all sit around and talk to each other about how women were quite literally monstrous men um mm-hmm. so the idea so aristotle for example when he wrote about the nature of man he wrote that women were monsters deviating from the generic human type mutilated males and a deformity of the ordinary course of nature and you see that effectively in the same in um, the Hippocratic corpus like the original medicinal texts from Greece and they both schools of thought the philosophical and the medical thought that menstruation was the best evidence that women were deviations and monstrous because why what else would they bleed so much mm-hmm. whereas aristotle did not really give an explanation the medical model developed a very clever explanation so the hippocratic explanation for periods was that women produced too much blood sure so because they were they were kind of too cold basically so they produced too much blood um, and every so often they had to get rid of it. So if they if they didn't get rid of it then it would kind of build up inside them and clog them up with toxins <laughs> and that they that would be that you would have to let it out some other way and this is this kind of perfectly aligns with the idea that the, the humors model of I don't know if you know mm-hmm. the humors model like the four black bile yeah. green yeah yellow bile whatever and you have to keep yeah and you have to keep them in balance so every so often when you had something they would let blood in order to balance out again Mm -hmm. so they thought that this was just the body doing its own bloodletting and it was proof that women were both inferior and kind of monstrous because one if you can't control blood coming out of your body then what kind of fucking useless human are you (laughs) You can't even produce the right amount of blood. Like, why are you even bothering being alive?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're judging the ancient Greeks for <laughs> thinking that, but we, you and I both know that there are men on Reddit who also think you can control your. Of periods. course they do.
0: Yes, they do. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, and I'm sure that they also think that if you can't be bothered to control it, then you may as well just die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they they that they thought that, and then they also thought there was like a kind of cleansing thing because it would also get rid of kind of toxins from your body as well. So they thought it was a generally healthful thing. It wasn't an evidence of, of, like, it was good for the body. And if you didn't, they also thought that you pretty much started at 14. And if you hadn't started at 14, then something was wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So because otherwise, like, things would start to clog up in there. So they didn't think that it was unhealthy. They just thought that it was proof that women were monsters. (laughs) so fine but could you try to not just be a (laughs) man yeah which is to be fair not enormously far away from the pretend your period isn't happening can't you just be more like a man yeah Uh, (laughs) my I don't have to worry about my body bleeding all the time and I can go to work why don't you hide your menstruation and stop pretending that you're different
1: Women can do anything men can do backwards and in heels while bleeding from the vagina.
0: Exactly. And could you not talk about it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just shut up about it and get it done.
0: Like both of those are, they're very different approaches, but they're not massively far away in the fact that like the modern Western conversation about periods is pretend it's not happening. And if you talk about it, you're disgusting.
1: Which is devastating for a lot of women as well, because, and this is a thing that I think makes the discourse around periods difficult even now on a more understandable level, which is they're wildly different person to person. You mm-hmm. know? And it's it's impossible to know why some some women get laid out by them, but they get such serious cramps that they can't get out of bed. And some women are fine and and there's no real rhyme or reason that we know of yet for that to happen. So when it makes it a lot more difficult to explain to people why yeah, sometimes you need to treat women really well when they're on the periods because they might just be barely yeah. holding it together. And sometimes women can do whatever you can do, even if they're on the heaviest day, because <laughs> their heaviest day is is another person's, you know, spotting basically.
0: Yeah, exactly. And there is the medicalization of periods as something both inherently negative and something to be handled, basically like dealt mm-hmm. with and hidden away, means that both. All normal menstruation is considered to be negative, which pathologizes the normal, but also erases the abnormal. So those who have endometriosis, for example, or people who have cysts or people who have like extreme pain there, because we have pathologized normal period pain we then have erased the fact that some people have abnormal pain. Yeah. Because all pain is considered to be abnormal, therefore extreme levels of pain are considered to be just within that spectrum of abnormal, so yeah. get on with really it. Which has really
1: serious ramifications. This leads to, like, the endometriosis, on average, takes eight years to get diagnosed. Because yeah, exactly. A, because there's not enough research been done into women's health in general, because almost all medical research prioritises white men, but also because... Women's descriptions of pain are often dismissed and it's really worrying. Yeah. Especially when they
0: are talking about gynecological pain.
1: Yeah. Because since medicine
0: became a male profession, so mm-hmm. from around about like the kind of 18th century when medicine stopped being the domain of women, especially gynecological medicine stopped being the domain of people with vaginas where childbirth and anything to do with gynecological medicine would be dealt with by other people with vaginas mm-hmm. and they would all talk amongst themselves when men started to get involved and force women out of that and turn it into a science in commerce mm-hmm. uh, commas and started mansplaining uteruses to women exactly and started mansplaining uteruses to people who have them started to say well we've decided what is normal and we don't really care what you say (laughs) and so gynecological medicine still is kind of within this model of masculinized medicine Mm -hmm. whereby women's voices are not considered to be important and it's largely because gynecological medicine for many thousands of years was just something that women talked about amongst themselves yeah and so that men were never engaged in this conversation And this is one of the things that makes Looking at menstruation throughout history And even menstruation in different cultures Quite challenging Because history has primarily been written by men mm-hmm. And men didn't ask And women yeah. didn't tell So they just never wrote it down uh, And if they did, they wrote down something So fucking mad <laughs> <laughs> That it was Like it's almost, like wandering wombs and all the rest of it That it's like, not even worth Talking about, yeah. <laughs> like, because they just say something completely deranged. But I've developed an interesting. Oh, so I am going to call my own theory interesting. I've developed a vague <laughs> theory. Uh, I am not going to say it's interesting. It's interesting to me through doing the research for this that that this is a a product of urbanisation to a certain extent because when you have rural communities or tribal communities, even like small communities where everybody knows each other of like a few hundred people you often have taboos around menstruation that mean that everybody has to know when someone is menstruating Mm -hmm. so things like certain cultures will have menstruating huts where women go because when they're menstruating or like A husband whose wife is menstruating is not allowed to go hunting, for example, amongst the Habe people in Mm -hmm. Sudan and things like that. But that requires everybody to know, like everybody to know that I'm on my period, for example. And the same with things like... Orthodox Jewish women who are separated during menstruation and have to use different cutlery and different plates and things like that. It means that everybody in the family knows that they're on their period because they're using the special plates now.
1: It's biblical there, it goes right back to Leviticus. Yes. The most boring part of the Bible, where Moses laid down all of the rules for um, the Israelites who had just escaped from Egypt. I disagree with you that
0: it's the most boring part because it has all of the good rules about skincare.
1: It has a lot of rules about, yeah, skincare and infections and all of this. It is. It also has how to deal with mold in your house. Yeah, this it's really this my favorite it's bit really, of the whole Bible. <laughs> okay, it's fascinating on some level, but there's absolutely nothing happening. It's just a one okay, man listing no a whole lot of rules that, that he yeah. claims God has told him. But um, one of the rules is that if a woman has her period, she is unclean for seven days, exactly seven days, no more, no less. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter the woman and no matter what her actual cycle is. And that anything or anyone she touches will also be unclean and that then anything that they touch or anyone they touch will be unclean in a always constantly expanding spiral of uncleanliness. And so if you touch someone who is on her period, you have to wash yourself and wash the clothes that you were wearing and then once the evening has come, you will be clean again. You have to live through the whole day unclean and wash everything yeah. that, that you were wearing a man who has sex with a woman on her period will be unclean for seven days himself. Yep. Um, and then after this woman has, has waited through her designated seven-day period, again, arbitrarily assigned seven days, that's how long you're allowed to have a period for, then the next day she takes two pigeons to a priest, one as a sin offering and one as a burnt offering so that she can atone for the sin of having had a period. Yes, and that comes from
0: Taboos around sexuality in general So you would also have to do the same after childbirth Men have to do the same after ejaculation
1: With childbirth as well You're unclean for much longer You're unclean for 40 days if you gave birth to a boy And for 80 if you gave birth to a girl
0: And like if you have touched a dead body And things like that But that comes basically from from Genesis Where they say that the punishment for Eve For her sin of eating the apple Is that she will suffer in childbirth And then that is linked to to menstruation but it does mean that everybody has to know because like it's not just a bath as well when you have the bath like you have to go to the ritual bath the mikvah and have mm-hmm. a ritualized wash like it's quite a public thing and so everybody kind of knows what your cycle is yeah and when you are menstruating and when you're not menstruating because you are marked out in a way yeah, and it's only once you get into larger, more urban environments that the issues of men not knowing when women are menstruating and men not really knowing about what the fuck's going on start to come out because you can hide it away if you know yeah. what I mean, and then it becomes something that women have to keep to themselves.
1: It can be, it can be a nice like. There's um, obviously if people are going to know about it, and therefore there's going to be a stigma around you. That's not so fun. But in the Quran. it categorizes periods as an illness and just says you know what be aware that women are having a painful time and you should leave them alone and be nice to them yeah like great be nice to them yeah i would love and it explicitly
0: says that women who are menstruating can't fast during ramadan because it's bad for them yeah and again that's another thing that gets cast in in a very negative light like as if like you can't fast during ramadan it's like yeah But it's because they'll faint, yeah. (laughs) In the same way that women who are feeling like people who are feeling ill can't fast during Ramadan, like they're just just, you do it. It's a voluntary thing, you know.
1: It's I mean, it's very likely that if you're on your period, you won't be able to give blood. I've had friends turned down because their their iron was low because they were yeah exactly bleeding (laughs) because it's yeah no because you're bleeding you are bleeding you are losing blood so therefore you are you know there are health implications to it yeah but I think
0: that. I mean, I'm not saying that one is better or one is worse, but that it's a completely different, like, the visibility of it in comparison to the invisibility of it Mm. now and the culture that we live in where, like, a woman could never say, look, I'm on my period, I'm having a bad day, I want to go and have a lie down. Or, like, Hillary Clinton can't be like, look, we're just really hurt right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and there is still a perception like that, because then she would be like, well, she's obviously not, not fit for the for job. The difficultness. Yeah. yeah, because she has to be a man, essentially. Yeah.
1: Whereas, actually, it can both be true that you can do any job that you want and that once a month she's going to be a little bit more tired and a little bit run down, and that's okay. And yeah.
0: But I do that thing because I read loads of like different cultures around the world in time who have different odd little taboos around what magic they think periods or period blood or menstruating people can do mm-hmm. which was quite fun like the may anger of new guinea think that if a man touches menstrual blood they'll get sick their blood will turn black their skin will fall off and then they'll die <laughs> which is quite it would bad. Be,
1: that would be great that be, could come in handy if it were true so no period sex for them no no, no. um the Cherokee belief that it was the blood is a source of strength and that yeah. Uh, women could destroy enemies using the strength of fear.
0: Oh, I like it. Oh, that's a good one, because so I also read loads of mad anthropologists from the 20th century who came up with reasons why they thought, like, theories, why they thought that cultures came up with Mm -hmm. menstrual taboos, because virtually every culture has menstrual taboos. Like, there is something about it that is either shameful or unclean or magical or weird or that like marks the menstruating person out as as different and Mm -hmm. something has to be done about it like virtually every culture says this is unusual there were i did find a couple that didn't but they were marked as unusual for not doing so and so anthropologists obviously love to come up with like way back on the plains of africa beginning of all culture situations (laughs) and One of them was that, which you'll find a lot of, is a woman called Elizabeth Gould Davis, who argued that the first cultures were matriarchies and that matriarchs originally used the fact that they bled and didn't die as a way to make men afraid of them Mm -hmm. and to respect them as, like, well, I have this magical power both to bleed and to bear children. Can you bear children? I don't think you can. (laughs) And that it's a kind of... A thing that men were afraid of. And so when the matriarchies became patriarchies, men u- used that against them, basically. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's fiction, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's quite a nice fiction. Yeah. There were some other good ones as well, like a guy called, a lot of them are German. Theodore Reich thought that, I'm going to put this in extreme bold quotation marks, primitive men thought that women gave off like a sexual signal when they were menstruating like cats in heat oh sure like you know when you've got a cat who's in heat and then all the boy cats in the area come around because they can smell it Mm -hmm. yeah like that and so in order to control their sexual desires they would like lock women away which explains precisely one taboo around
1: (laughs) menstruation which is women going to the menstruating hut I and mean, then... sometimes the idea of a menstruating hut ha- sounds quite nice. Like you could just have a little, little private bubble full of cushions and blankets and books. Yeah, and just a sign in the door saying "fuck off." You're Unless you've like, like your me, literally,
0: it's just the girls in here, and it, yeah, we're just gonna have a lie down.
1: Unless you're delivering delicious treats,
0: then please go away yeah fuck off like I'm literally not allowed to work right now yeah lest my menstruating hands turn the corn black so (laughs) if you could just bring me some food then that would be okay there's certainly ways that you could turn that to your advantage like oh no I have to go to the menstruating hut to have a
1: lie down and not do any work today (laughs) or indeed for the next week
0: Basically, yeah, exactly. women
1: were given a week off every month, and I would are like you, that. Oh no, I can't cook. I'm so sorry, lest I get my menstrual blood on you. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame! I'll go over here. Yeah, you can't have to cook. Do I'll it. Turn the wine sour. And the yeah, exactly. What
0: a shame!
1: Damn yeah, it. Yeah. So
0: you could totally do it, but there are like two that I found actually genuinely interesting. One was Mary Chadwick who spoke about the fact that all of the taboos around menstruation are both have this kind of duality of cleanliness and uncleanliness in them Mm -hmm. whereby you are simultaneously kind of inviolate but also stained and you are you can't be touched because you are kind of in this state of uncleanliness but at the same time that kind of makes you holy and special in the same way Mm -hmm. like you are at at the same time polluted and like inviolate which is and like it marks you out in a way that can be powerful and unpowerful at the same time
1: yeah and I think that's really
0: important
1: There are also a lot of directly contradictory myths as well So that idea that you are both unclean and holy Kind of follows through in this old wives table superstitious way Like there are claims that it could cure leprosy And there are also claims that it would cause it Yeah Because I mean obviously it can't do either Because it's (laughs) powerful in some way Yeah obviously unfortunately This mysterious strange power (laughs) Which may be either good or bad and we don't really know
0: And it's both, like, yeah, it can be used as a protection and, like, because some people use it as, like, a love potion or as a cure for something or, like, an offering to the gods or protection against evil demons. It's like it has this magical power, which is powerful in almost all cultures. Like, if when I was on my period, I could turn wine sour and turn iron to rust... I would be a literal witch and that would be amazing yeah like she, he <laughs> is giving the female body such an enormous amount of power mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that he thinks lives inside the female like inside the womb is amazing like, yeah i would love that i would love to be able to just command yeah. the hail And in the same way that, like, all of these rural things, like, taboos, you know, you can't touch a menstruating woman unless you then become visible to game and can't shoot them. Like, if you're going hunting, like some Eskimo people think, and things like that, that's a cool power. (laughs) (laughs) That's, like, thinking that women are literally magical, and that's kind of great, So it is this, like, real strong tension between being enormously powerful and holy and magical and also being terrifying and not disgusting, particularly. Because that idea of, like, germy cleanliness and disgust is something quite different, and that's, like, Mm. our one. The other one was the idea that men saw, and probably women as well, and there are certainly trends of people who still think this, that it is a... A cosmic mystical powerful thing that no one could control in the same way that the phases of the moon and the movements of the stars and the moving of the tides is a mystical powerful thing that they can't con- that no one can control and you just have to work within and therefore if it is something that needs to be kind of carefully handled in the way that you carefully handle something like the tides or the moving of the stars like you have to track it you have to look after it you yeah. have to know when someone's going through it because it's quite frightening in a way if you don't know and it's not until well into the 1920s that people worked out that hormones were a thing <laughs> like literally the 1920s they were like "Sorry guys I've come up with this thing called hormones
1: you do have to feel sorry for every woman who lived before that because those days where you're like <laughs> Why am I crying about that tree? And then you know, two days later, they didn't you, have you clue to tell them. They didn't have clue. Yeah. You know, they <laughs> couldn't log their cycle. They had no idea what was
0: going on. Exactly, but that, yeah, and it was just something that happened. And it was probably something like all of a sudden one day you're having a bleed. Although, and also, so this is the other thing that I think is really important to think about when you're thinking about menstruation in the past is that with it just wasn't. As often or as probably as heavy as it yeah. was, uh, as, as we have them, because we in the modern industrialized West have incredible diets. Yeah. We have, we're protected from disease and we don't have that many babies. And so we start our periods much earlier, like 11, 12, when it would be kind of 14, 15, 16, probably in the past.
1: We're likely to be malnourished. Yes, course. I mean,
0: we're much less likely to be malnourished. We're much less likely to have the menopause. Early, So it's likely that women would go through the menopause much earlier, possibly in their 40s rather than in their 50s. So immediately that is like, that's the beginning and end of menstruating is longer for us. Um, And also quite possibly because of, again, our incredibly good diets, which is known to be linked to the menstruation, we probably have much heavier periods than Mm. women did in the past. So it's quite possible that theirs would not be as much of an issue as it is for us like everyone remembers from sex education when they're like you will lose about a teacup and that's about the average and some people have much heavier than that now and some people have lighter but it's probable that in the past the majority would be on the lighter end
1: but it is one of those things that like we can speculate about but again no one was writing this down (laughs) no
0: one was writing it down unfortunately so which brings us to the like the next part of the question really which is how did people deal with it in the past (laughs) (laughs) which is a difficult question because again nobody really wrote it down but there are a few people who have made it their business to in, to deal with it. So Sarah Reid is a early modern historian who has dedicated her career to menstruation in the past mm-hmm. and how people, literally, how did people deal with it? How did they experience it? When was it more likely? How did people talk about it? Did they talk about it at all? She quite strongly believes that periods were probably shorter and lighter in the past. Mm-hmm. And That Helen King is really good on ancient menstruation and she's particularly very good at debunking shit that you find in newspapers. (laughs) So, like, if you Google this, then you will come up, which obviously I did, then you will come up with loads of articles that are like, how did the ancients deal with their periods? And they will tell you really awful things, like this weird thing that, that the ancient Greeks would use sticks covered, like, wrapped around with lint as tampons. This just wouldn't be effective. It It wouldn't be effective. It wouldn't be comfortable, Janina. Like, no one's popping a stick up there. And they'd be Mm. like, well, I shall get on with my day-to-day activities now. Nope.
1: That's going to be very uncomfortable, very ineffective, and very likely to cause infection.
0: Yes. I think that that comes from a medical text which has lint soaked in something that I now can't remember and then wrapped around a stick and then popped up there briefly as a as a way of encouraging fertilization. Mm-hmm. But sure. there is no evidence that they were popping things up there in order to soak the the blood up. And there's you're also in the same article and they all seem to repeat the same shit. Like I think they just get them all off of each other. I think they do. Cause none of all of them say historians say, and then Helen King's like no historian has ever said this. <laughs> <laughs> basically they also talk about papyrus tampons so that women would soak papyrus and then again pop it up there or wool up there and yeah no we wouldn't necessarily have evidence of it either but the all of the evidence that we have where people like the vague references that we can peel out of stuff don't like nobody is talking anything about putting things up there tampons seem to be a Very, 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 very modern invention. Mm. And my God, Janina, they are so problematic. The history of tampons in and of itself is a world of, like, holy shit. (laughs) So tampons were basically invented by Tampax. Mm -hmm. They invented them, the American company. And they were first put on the market in 1933. Mm -hmm. And they kind of come out after... So... Like 1854-ish is when you start getting stuff. I'll talk about that in a minute. But they, after the First World War, basically, that super absorbent bandage material was invented. Right, yeah. That's when that started. Then immediately, because nurses are smart, they started nicking that in order to deal with their... <laughs> and then somebody turned it into tampons. Mm-hmm. So that goes on. And then in 1978... So literally 45 years later, somebody was like, have you ever noticed that a lot of women who use tampons die of toxic shock syndrome? And everyone was like, huh. So they do. (laughs) Funny that. Interesting. And like, yeah. And so because we all know that you get like the thing about toxic shock syndrome when you get your... When you buy your Tampax or whatever. It's it's all in the leaflet. It's all in the leaflet that literally nobody reads because they tell you about it in sex education, you go, oh, it sounds horrible, and then they go, oh, nobody ever gets it, so it's all right. (laughs) But the reason that nobody ever gets it and the reason that it's rare now is because eventually, and again, so that was discovered and named in 1978 as being related to tampons. It wasn't until 1997 that something was actually done about it. Great. And it's because they used to be soaked in stuff like chlorine.
1: Sure. Great idea shoving a chlorine-soaked wash of cotton or whatever it is. It gets so... Right it out so there. Sociable.
0: So, yeah, <laughs> so they would bleach them to make them white, basically. Mm-hmm. And then, and they would do that in chlorine and chlorine related bleachers. And then, when that was put inside the body, the reactions, because obviously they never fucking tested this on a uterus or a vagina even, Mm -hmm. the reactions would release something that was effectively the same as Agent Orange. Jesus. (laughs) Fucking hell. (laughs) Right? And so it gives you like really bizarre symptoms like. You get a fever, you get a rash, your skin starts peeling, you can get, like, necrotizing fasciitis where your skin starts coming off. It can get to, like, pneumonia, gangrene, like, all kinds of weird shit starts happening to your body because basically being poisoned from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, huh, well... That seems bad. But it wasn't until 1997 that eventually it was forced through the American government, like American Congress, the mm-hmm. something called the Tampon Safety and Research Act, which was like, stop using chlorine! <laughs> <laughs> and loads of stuff that, like, kind of, like really harsh chemicals that will were shown to not relate to toxic shock syndrome, but also like uterine cancers and cervical cancers and stuff. Mm. Because they were like, This is a clean thing. You can put this inside your body. You don't even have to, on the outside, be having a period. Like, nobody would ever know.
1: It's one of those weird things as well. But also, you might die. I I, I remember when we did, like, doing sex ed and talking about what you could use to deal with your periods, and they talked through toxic shock syndrome, and they. but then they also talked about how there can be health downsides to using pads, because pads... Don't breathe. So you're blocking off airflow from your whole area, (laughs) which can then uh, increase your chances of thrush and those sorts of infections as well, which is like, sure, not quite on the same level, really, as Toxic Syndrome.
0: It's not like my skin falling off and then me dying. like It's not the same. No. So before that, though, and I can see why people went hard for tampons when they were eventually invented, because the stuff, like art uh, but from like the end of the 19th century up until then really <laughs> were like vaguely horrifying so i found this thing which was like between 1854 and 1914 there were like 30 20, 30 patterns that were filed in the usa and this is a list of some of the names of things that people came up with and you could just know that this was not people who actually have periods coming up with this <laughs> napkins catamenial sacks sanitary supports Menstrual receivers, my personal favourite.
1: <laughs> There's great. Yeah,
0: Monthly protectors, <laughs> menstrual receptacles, sanitary napkins, catamenial supporters, and the also very good menstrual aprons. Wow. And they all sound fucking terrifying. They really do. So when you started mass producing them, the first ones were released, yeah, like in the end of the 19th century, 1896 was when the first ones that you could just go to the pharmacy and buy were released mm-hmm. and that's johnson and johnson which were like disposable that they encouraged you to burn them after after use so burn mm-hmm. it all away they were like clipped onto little garter belts mm-hmm. and i don't know if you read are you there god it's me margaret when you were younger i did or yes. any other judy bloom
1: mm-hmm. i i mean i have a beating heart Emma.
0: yeah um. ex- i i would never doubt you <laughs> But like I remember reading them when I was really young, like maybe like nine or ten, mm-hmm. and so there's that one. And Dini, I think, was probably the other one where I guess mentioned. So in Dini, she has spinal scoliosis mm-hmm. and she has to wear a back brace. <laughs> so quite a lot of all of the books, and I think it's even in Forever as well. Talk about having your period and dealing with it, and like mm-hmm. in Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. She's really wants her period, but also. I think it's a friend's mum who buys her the sanitary belt. And there's a bit in Deanie that I remember very clearly where she's wearing her back brace and she can't, like, manoeuvre herself right to deal with the sanitary belt. And I was just like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Like, a belt? I've never seen my... There's never been a belt in my bathroom and I have a mum. What? What is this belt? Is someone going to give me a belt? No one's ever mentioned a belt. What's happening with the fucking belt? I was probably about 25 before I found <laughs> out what the fucking belt was and because it never occurred to me to really look it up. I was just like,
1: why? What is
0: this? And it turns out that it's it's literally like a kind of garter belt, except instead of the clips being where your stockings are, they're like further in and you mm-hmm. would they were literally clip or like tie on the sanitary towel to like in between your legs on both sides and you you, would wear a little belt to hold it up.
1: To be honest like it doesn't sound like the most comfortable solution but it does sound a lot more secure than modern pads which are prone to bunching. I have to say it's never a problem that I have dealt with. Oh I've I've, I've, just the adhesive on the back of them never seems quite strong enough. It's just not good
0: enough for you. Yeah
1: sometimes if you move around too much they move too.
0: I just feel like if you need a wee, now I've got to, what, take the belt off. Like, <laughs> that is very true. Clip all of this stuff. Yeah. It seems like a lot of effort. And also, yeah, just the whole, the idea of having a, a, a whole apparatus. <laughs> 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 and it's some of them. So I strongly encourage you right now, Janina, to have a wee look at a sanitary apron. From 1914. Oh
1: my. <laughs> yes, it is
0: quite the oh my situation.
1: <laughs> that seems like a lot and also unreliable. A lot of yes. fabric for an unreliable system is what you've got there.
0: Yeah, so it is... I will get Oliver to put a link to this in the show notes so you can click on it if you want to. So it is like an apron worn backwards so that the apron bit is going like on the bum. And then at the front, there is a kind of low... It looks almost like a loincloth kind of hanging down. And then in there, there is like a place where you can put pads. I mean, the one, there is no situation where you're hiding this the fact that you're wearing this from any human being, unless you're wearing 200 skirts over the top. Mm-hmm. Although interestingly, one of the links, so this website appears from B from about 1992, but it says that these were particularly popular among African Americans, black women, because mm-hmm. black women tend to have heavier periods. And so the clippy models were, were not enough. And so... This was something, like, this is a much more heavy-duty situation. more robust. (laughs) Yeah. And you can, the Ministry, ministry? the Museum of Menstruation has a lot. It's an absolute nightmare to try to manoeuvre. But you can see now what they look like, what these belts looked like. Mm -hmm. Like, there's disposable belts and there's different ones. And you have to kind of go through the whole thing. But it is interesting to see how all these different ways that people kind of dealt with it it's mostly 20th century but it does have some other stuff if you can navigate all of the links and the different colors then you can Mm. see all of the different ways in which women in the 20th and uh, kind of going back to the
1: 19th century dealt with periods yeah and there are like there are some norwegian pads apparently from the 19th century they're really similar to some of the environmentally friendly products that you can get now like basically things with a loop for a button. That work mm-hmm. the same way as disposable pads, except that you just wash them in between yeah. instead of
0: throwing them away. And I, so. you know, you can go on Etsy right now and you'll find a million washable pads. And I know yeah. people who use washable pads. And I know plenty of women who use moon
1: cups, which is... I use a moon cup. There it's you go, like, see? Yeah. It is one of those things as well Like that I've been thinking about as we've sort of discussed these kind of, you know, on a different scale of terrifying solutions... That does make me think a bit because I thought moon cups were terrifying until I tried one. <laughs> and I was like, this is the most convenient thing ever because I never have to remember to take anything with there me. I just, if I'm, yeah. I'm like, if they're not, if I'm worried that my period's about to start, I could just shove one in and it's not going to hurt me. Whereas tampons you can't do that with because they dry out, they'll dry out the inside mm-hmm. of your vagina. It's so not a good idea. And pads, are you know, not, not really comfortable enough for that to be worth it. So There are a lot of things that you, when you hear about them, you're like, ugh, but maybe it's not as bad as we think.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, probably women who are walking around wearing towels and like belts and things like that. I think the general theory from people like Sarah Reed is that pads are what women would use in and depending on what the kind of cultural undergarment situation was mm-hmm. would depend on how it was attached so um she thinks that early modern women particularly would probably connect them to a girdle if they wore a girdle mm-hmm. so it would connect to that or you could even just kind of tie some linen around you or some cloth around you and potentially they're in the Bible, so you might have heard them clouts. Do you know mm-hmm. clouts?
1: I know clouts.
0: Yes. So it's like a, a rag that was part of the early modern household and you would use them for everything. They were like rags that was kind of hemmed or made from offcuts that were used for cleaning, that were used for bandages, that were used for wiping your child's face when it was disgusting, for wiping down the, you know, side after you'd made bread. And then... You would also use them for when you're having a your period. You would then just grab a clout, fold it up. And if, like, in periods where people wore, women wore knickers, then you'd pop it in your knickers. And mm-hmm. if you didn't, then you would have a girdle. So there is a bit where there's evidence from, for example, Elizabeth I, like, descriptions of things that she owned, where she would say that she had three special girdles for that time of the month for her vallops of Holland cloth. <laughs>
1: It's a great way. It's a great way to it call is. it. I feel like we should start referring to pads as valops <laughs> of Holland cloth.
0: I'm just going to boots, darling, for some vallops of Holland cloth. <laughs> Could you pick me up some valops of Holland cloth on your way home? <laughs> yeah, and they are referred to in various places. There's a, a story from the Middle Ages about the Greek philosopher Hypatia getting into an argument with someone and <laughs> pulling out her clout, her menstrual cloth and throwing it at someone for reasons that are unclear. <laughs> So they would be, if women wore knickers, so like the Romans wore knickers, so they would have, some sort, like if you were posh, you could have like special linings mm-hmm. or you would just have a cloth and pop it in your knickers. Women of the Middle Ages probably didn't, so and they, they didn't really wear knickers, but they wore girdles and they wore corsets and things like that. So you could kind of tuck it up into the corset because obviously that comes down quite low. Mm-mm. So you can kind of tuck it up into there And that'll hold it in Or pin it to your corset or your girdle Or whatever you're wearing underneath To mm-hmm. give you a nice shape or whatever Or pin it to whatever you're wearing Or just tie it around your waist Like there's a lot of different ways that you can attach it But yeah. Sarah Reed's Believes and argues pretty strongly that this would be only for your heavy days. So, like, if you were heavily mm. bleeding, then that's what you would do. But probably, for the most part, certainly in her perspective of English history, women would just free bleed mm-hmm. because they probably weren't bleeding enough to have it be a problem. Or like yeah. so discussed. Like, but <laughs> I did find some quotes. There's a German quote about women leaving drops of blood behind them as they walk. <laughs> Which is from, like, 19th century Germany. So quite possibly, even on heavy days, some women just weren't bothering. Yeah. Just walking around dripping all over the floor. (laughs) Which is, I think, in any culture, disgusting. Yeah, it's not great. It's not... I just don't get your bodily fluids on stuff. Like, be polite, if nothing else. Yeah,
1: because, I mean, free bleeding on a light day might be fine. Like, it might never be heavy enough to actually move past your labia and it will just come out when you pee and yeah that, and be washed away but if if, is that, if it's at the point where it's running down your legs then maybe <laughs> then just have annoying. some sort of stop gap
0: <laughs> yeah there well, i did find one thing that was like you know that quote about elizabeth the first having a bath once a month whether she needed it or not mm-hmm. that that might be related to less to general cleanliness and more to <laughs> specific menstruation related cleanliness
1: yeah. Or also is, hot water helping with some muscle relaxing. Things. Yeah.
0: But also I have to say, I have not cut, this is purely off the top of my head, but I feel like in eras where women wore corsets, heavy corsets, that mm. that was possibly not doing delightful things to their innards.
1: Yeah. It's very possible. That, may that, that may well could well have
0: affected their menstruation. Yeah. Because there's certainly evidence that, well, one, they would faint all the fucking time. And two, that it would like move their... Internal organs around They don't do good things to the kidneys So I can't imagine that they do great things to the ovaries either Yeah yeah. But now the era that we live in now Is I think allows you to Have a period and not tell anybody what you're doing about it Yeah Which is
1: nice It is nice to have the option But the, what's come at the cost of now mentioning it Is seen as weird and.
0: Yeah and people acting like Because I strongly suspect that even for people Who have periods That if they open this and this into the first few minutes, they were just like, Oof. and I suspect that like a lot of the time that you're listening to it, you're just like, oh, this is so gross, even though I have one yeah. or I had one or, but we will all sit around and listen to men talking about their poo as it's the funniest thing in the fucking world. Yeah. And a poo will give you cholera and menstrual blood <laughs> will not. No.
1: It's brand will do basically nothing.
0: Why do I have to listen or read about men talking about poo all the time mm-hmm. in all comedies and all, like, even just, like, men, if they're left alone for 30 seconds, will call other men in to look at their horrible poos. Like, <laughs> yeah. like this, is a t- this is not very nice. A friend and- of mine
1: once took a photo of a poo he was particularly proud of. On his wife's phone and then texted it to his entire family from her phone. You see? This is what I'm talking about. (laughs) But yeah, (laughs) one mention of periods and everyone freaks
0: out. Exactly. Even like one mention of periods and you want to fall over and die. Yeah.
1: And it's a shame because menstrual blood is, because of its purpose, which is obviously to pass nutrients to a growing fetus, it's really high in nutrients. It's very good plant food. If you're collecting it, if you're using a menstrual cup, you can put, you can add your blood to, you know, the water when you water your plants will be really good for them, apparently. Because it's got, yeah, it's got loads of good shit in it.
0: A little bit of me is like, I wish that people thought that I was more magical and powerful. (laughs) 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 So magical and powerful that I had to be put in a special hut rather than this is the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. Do you want to see a picture of my poo? Uh-huh. I'm not saying anyone got a better deal out of it. I just no, feel like there the are pros, pros and cons. of that one were also quite good.
1: Yeah. There are pros and cons to all of these uh,
0: tapes. There are pros and cons. And obviously one of the major cons is that once like, you start introducing things, like once things start to industrialise and urbanise and you start saying, well, now we go to school all of the time, for example. Mm. If you've got women or people who have periods who are not allowed to come to school for one week a month, then then that's problematic. Yes. And so, these, th- those kind of uh, taboos and traditions only really work as a non problematic thing when you've not got industrial structures yeah. for large populations. Once you have industrial urban structures or, or things which are designed for large populations rather than small populations,
1: and it's, then uh, it, it becomes for, difficult. For capitalist populations, then it Because capitalism yes, is exactly. built around the idea that you work for a certain amount of time, whether or not there's work to, to be done so yes if you're unavailable yeah it doesn't like during these times we do
0: this thing yeah and if you can't do this thing during this time then you that's it like
1: we're not going to change the system for you you have
0: to fit into the system
1: when really if we adopted the idea that that you get week in a hut every month and we just (laughs) shared it around and just had this thing that everyone works three weeks out the month and then you get a week off I reckon, yeah. I reckon it would be very good for society in general. I think it would be very good for everyone's
0: mental health. Yeah. And men could have one too. Like yeah, completely. Were... Don't make
1: it gender specific. Just everyone it's, Everyone yeah, works it's three weeks out of every four. And on your fourth week, if you if you need to be at home with serious cramps, then you can be. Yeah. And if you don't, then you can just have a nap anyway. Because you know what? You deserve it. You deserve yeah, a week of know. naps. Everyone's welcome in the heart. Men who have periods are welcome in the
0: heart. Non binary yeah. people welcome in the heart. Everyone's welcome in the week off heart. Yeah. It's great. And I do, yeah, I would do, this did make me think a lot about how we, I don't know, it made me kind of mad about, <laughs> about like, the way that I am expected to conform my body as a menstruating body to basically
1: pretend that it's not yeah pretend
0: that it is abnormal in some way because the default person is a man
1: yeah exactly and you've got to push yourself into a masculine mold in order to survive in the world and that means denying certain facts about your own feminine body
0: yeah and I do feel like a lot of cultures which have what we now call taboos around it where at least saying this is a thing that happens and this is a thing that we deal with yeah. like and women have this role and for better or for worse at least it's acknowledging that it happens and that we're not just pretending that it doesn't yeah yeah anyway i think that's the answer to the question i
1: think it is does that yeah. answer the
0: question as far as you think
1: you know periods have always existed and we've always been they weird have always about existed. them uh, so... One of the books that I read,
0: and I can't remember, I think it might have been, there's one called The Curse, A Cultural History of Menstruation. I think it might have been that one. Mm-hmm. Argued, it opened with the sentence, menstruation is inherently democratic. And I was like, yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> like, pretty much, like, unless you're starving or unless you're taking something to stop them, or, like, there has never been a time when people haven't been having them. Yeah. And it is something that unites all people with uteruses yeah
1: they're not great yeah they're not fun but you know they're no big deal also
0: it's natural it is natural it's part of being human Um, we're really the only people only animals that have them yeah which is a little bit
1: of a joke on us like I, i did i remember learning somewhere about you know there are mammals who feed Their fetuses with circulating blood, so they never have periods because they never they never build up a uterine lining, because they Mm -hmm. just they just use blood that's circulating. And I I'm not gonna lie, that was annoying to learn. Like why couldn't we do that?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I feel like the options are because the other option is like going into heat, really, and no one wants that. That would get in the way more. Uh, I did read a book called blood relations menstruation and the origins of culture where the basic argument was that it was written by a man obviously the basic argument was that evolutionarily it evolved menstruation evolved in order to kind of trick men (laughs) in order to so that men would never really know when you were in in heat and therefore when you were fertile Uh. because they would never know when was your most fertile period and they would never it was kind of to be honest a bit predicated on the idea that you'd never tell them when you were having a period and therefore they would have to stick around and try and impregnate you loads and loads and loads (laughs) sure and that would disincentivize them having multiple female partners so whereas like dogs and cats and monkeys and stuff they're like i know that that dog cat monkey is in heat and is therefore fertile so i'm gonna go i just need to do it once and she'll probably be pregnant with women was kind of it was very much women are secretive things with secretive things inside themselves and they Uh deliberately they secretively don't tell men when they are fertile so that men will stick around if
1: by forcing them in to have more sex
0: yeah but then it also had like a whole chapter on the thing about synchronizing periods
1: which i believe is a myth yeah, I mean, I've heard a lot that it's a myth, but I've also had it happen, so I don't, <laughs> I don't know where I stand on that. Like, I went to drama school, which meant I basically spent 12 hours a day with the same women for three years, and we synced up immediately the whole year. Well,
0: maybe it's not a myth, but he had a whole chapter on that and was basically like, women's period, sync, so, because that made a man who's around a load of women will never know which one is... Fertile, and he will not be incentivized to have sex with all the other ones. <laughs> so it was very good, secretive women with the
1: <laughs> that is excellent.
0: But yeah, so that's the answer to that question. Yeah, so secretive,
1: so secretive. Periods have you always know. existed. Women are secretive and mysterious, there's no understanding them. Men just want to fuck everything. The yep. end, and we've been made uncomfortable for the years forever. So, what are we doing next time? Next week, it's
0: Christmas. Yay! Yay! So we're going to have a Christmas episode, and we've got Christmas short questions. Excellent. So, yeah, don't send them to us because we We are recording this in advance. We
1: definitely will have already recorded next week's episode by the time you listen to this one, so
0: bad bad
1: luck you. But we did say on previous episodes, and we have tweeted a lot, so... Yeah, so... I
0: mean, bad luck you, but but you can send us future questions. Yeah. So if you have questions about history and you want them made sexy, then you can tweet us at at sexyhistorypod,
1: or you can email us at sexyhistorypod at gmail Hey, you did it right. I did. <laughs> <laughs> or you can Facebook us at
0: sexyhistorypod without the e, because Facebook is not sexy. No. Or I'm at nuclear teeth, or I'm at j nine and f if- and oliver excellent producer oliver is at kiwa and that's it yeah leave us reviews subscribe tell your friends tweet about how lovely we are <laughs> just go up to people in the street and say have you heard that history is sexy yeah do all of that do all of those things we like that we do and until christmas next week bye, bye.